It is Locked on Jazz for the 13th of December. Are we back at full strength or at least close to it finally? We'll see. Off-ball screening, how the Jazz have made their name and why that could cause the Pelicans some problems. The Pelicans! Zion Williamson is the real deal. So are they. We'll dig into it. And Willie Green's great offensive sets, plus late game watching on a Tuesday edition of Locked on Jazz. It's all coming up right now. Pow! You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are on all podcasting apps. We are on YouTube. Join the comment section in YouTube. Even if it's just to give a thumbs up and a low, it helps a lot, but it also is fun for everybody to know you're out there and communicate. Uh, before we get started, I just saw Mike Leach passed away this morning. Um, I don't did not know him well, but I, he was around Washington State when um, I was around Seattle for part of that time and, and then afterwards. Um, and also just, I don't know, I think he, it's really sad. Um, he's such a refreshing voice because I thought he was unafraid. I don't know if I agreed with everything he said, but I think that's actually the whole point is that we're in a world now where to speak publicly, you're criticized constantly, no matter what you say. And if you were to say anything thought provoking, you're probably guaranteed to be criticized and, uh, and then muted at times. And he seemed to avoid that. He seemed to kind of stay above that at all times. And we need more of that. We need thought provoking conversation. The whole Madisonian idea of this thing was, the idea to have the marketplace of ideas, we've completely lost that. We now have the marketplace of my idea or your idea, not a marketplace of ideas in all aspects of society. And Mike Leach seemed to be, even though he's a football coach, kind of above that. And I thought, um, I feel like that's what we lost in football. Obviously, his offense was incredible and he was a new thinker and he did all sorts of crazy things and kind of he was Bill Walsh 2.0. Um, but I just as a person, he was someone who kind of could say something and speak and make you think about things. And sometimes they were way out there and they were different. And, you know, I'm sure Holly Rowe has some really interesting interactions with him over time. If she did games with him, cause he was always kind of a different bird, but the different bird part is the part that we just, we just don't allow right now. And it's just too bad. Um, and it's cause of social networking and all the same stuff, but it's just too bad. So tip of the hat to Mike Leach for a, a, a life well lived. I think maybe, you know, the thought I would I would give on that, actually, is we all live our own lives. I'm not, this was just the thought I had this morning. Is, wow, I wish there were more of him. Like, what a great compliment as someone lives or passes on that you think to yourself, I wish there were more of him or her in society. Like, that's a pretty cool concept. Could we all do that all the time? That we live our lives in a manner so that everyone says, I wish there were more of them, more of that person. Um, that'd be kind of cool um, if we all had that vibe. So anyway, just... No, deep thought to start, but I just literally, hey, I'm prepping the show and this morning, and that's the first thing I saw, so it's on top of my head. Uh, let's get to the Jazz. Relatively healthy. Looks like Conley, Clarkson, and Markin are back, so no Sexton, which, you know, the reality of this league, we've talked about this before, is that the average player plays 71 games in the league, so you're kind of, if you have 14 guys, 
you know, they're missing 13% of the season, so you're always out one or two guys. It looks like we'll be out Fontecchio and Sexton. They're going to be out Ingram. Um, and then I, uh, Herb Jones, it sounds like. Um, so they're out, you know, they're out two big guys. Uh, but that's just kind of the reality. So we're about as healthy and have our core guys as we could tonight, which will be nice. Um, it's interesting to listen to everyone talk about this team right now uh, because there aren't many times, I think, in sports in which you can zero in on one reason and say, well, that's why this is happening. You, we want to do that all the time. That's kind of why how Locked On exists and what talk radio is and everything else. We, we sit around and say, well, this is, this is probably one of the few cases where it's really true. Um, and that is just without Mike Conley, the Jazz' complete inability to close games. Um, if you kind of dig into the Jazz numbers uh, in all the games that Mike Conley missed, our offensive rating and our defensive rating are the exact same, fourth in the offense and 26 defensively in all minutes until you get to the final five minutes of the game. And then when you get to the final five minutes of the game and you look at our last you know 10 games, which Mike has only played one of them, we really are just, we're just a mess. Um, I'm not trying to, and again, we've talked about this a lot. I, I, I think it's understandable. I don't think this is like something where you should be like, announcing a bunch of players either suck or aren't any good or that they don't have the skill set. They they are asked to do something they've never done before. None of us are any good at anything we've never done before um, the, or the first time we've done it. They're being asked to do things in, in a realm that's just really, really difficult. And uh, it showed. So it'll be great to close a game with Lowry um, if we, you know, and Mike, and we've played the most clutch games of anyone in the league. That's actually, you know, from a really interesting kind of developmental standpoint, and I don't know that this is the roster that's entirely entirely needing the developmental, but from a developmental standpoint, what's kind of cool is the fact that we have played the most close games of any team in the league, and so therefore, when you uh, you just are getting these great experiences on how to handle it and how to play, and you know Jordan Clarkson, who probably doesn't need developmental, but I'm not sure he's ever been like the go-to guy in the clutch the way he is this year, and he's been outstanding. Um, and to, so it's a little bit of a tribute to our guys just at how hard they play every single night and the energy they throw out there every single night that this team has played the most clutch games of anyone league. It's probably the item they should be most proud of, frankly. Um, The item they should be most proud of is the fact that they've played the most clutch games of any team in the entire league. And in turn, you know, yes, now we have, unfortunately, you know, six of our last seven, we can document losses in which we didn't play well in which, you know, our offensive rating has slid off the map and 94.2 in those games and our turnover rate has skyrocketed to a 27% in those games from 11% with Mike. Okay. We've all got it, but it's still a great tribute to those guys. The defense hasn't been very good either, but I think it's because of the offense. So anyway, all right. Um, with everyone back, I do think it's interesting. We have some things that, uh, we have some things that are interesting to see here. One of the things that all these coaches are talking about is the jazz off ball screening. And there are some data points now that show this is true. And what the Jazz will do with a lot of their off-ball screening, and it will be, it was very, very valuable. The first time I actually noticed it, being really, really successful was game three of the year against the New Orleans Pelicans. When Zion is not a, a, was at the time, and maybe he's changed, was not an attentive off-ball defender. In other words, as, as we went off-ball and ran action, Zion's kind of just drifting, and the Jazz just took advantage of it and advantage of it and advantage of him. And they really, like, almost hunted Zion in off-ball screens in that game. So it's interesting. The Jazz, in fact, do run the third most off-ball screens in a game. So that's, in other words, where we used to run with Rudy, the most screens on ball of anyone in the NBA with Rudy, 
We're now running without a really a, a real big. Vanderbilt's not a good roller at all. Kessler's learning, and that's when we'll kind of have increased our pick and roll time a little bit when Kessler's on the floor. And if Kessler were to continue to start and play with Mike Conley, I think that's an interesting combination to watch as the year goes on. Now, whether you want Kessler going up against Jonas Valanciunas tonight or not, I don't know. Um, we'll see. Uh, Jonas is huge. When he puts his forearm in his back the first time, he'll be like, oh my God. But the Jazz are running about per 100 possessions. The Jazz are running the third most off-ball screens in the league. Only Charlotte and Cleveland are running more. Cleveland's interesting. That's probably trying to get Donovan the ball. The Jazz are really good at it. They're the second best team in the league at it behind Boston. So this is the crux of what we're doing offensively um, and where we're having our most success. Uh, and some of it's really interesting. You go put Lowry Markin and Kelly Olenek in a off-ball screening situation. You've got two seven-footers playing around right there. And, you know, Lowry suddenly is coming out being trailed by the, by the power forward or the center who's guarding Olenek. That's, that's not a great matchup for the other team. Um, the other one we're seeing is the Jazz doing a lot of face-cutting right across the lane out of those actions with the defender between them and the basket, which is a little unusual. You usually like want to back cut it. They're face cutting it and able to, and Lowry's so tall. He's able to make the play. He's at seven feet. He's able to do some really interesting things off of that. Um, the other aspect of this is this, you know, if you go back and look at the last time we played the Pelicans, Kelly Olenek had 20. A lot of those 20 came off this kind of action. And so this is, you know, as we're beginning to see who the jazz are, we do. It's not like we don't run pick and roll. We run 60 of them a game. That's kind of on the low end, um, honestly. Uh, I think we probably ran close to 85 to 90 a game last year. And this is, I think this, that, that's not like, oh, you need to run 90 a game. I'm just kind of sharing you perspective um, of how many. The, the top team in the league is Phoenix. They run 84. I think we ran, as I said, close to 90. We're 23rd in the league in running picks per game at 61 a game. We're not actually very good at it. Like, we don't actually get great efficiency out of it. We get much more efficiency out of our drive game, much more efficiency out of our off-screen game. Um, we're actually a pretty big handoff team. Uh, if you think about Jared kind of conducting in the middle of the floor, uh, rather than playing pick and roll, playing he's going to play a handoff game. That's probably a better uh, approach for him. No one runs more handoffs than Sacramento. Sacramento's running 10 to 12 more handoffs than any other team in the NBA right now. We're running... Per 100 possessions, we're about eighth in the league in handoffs. Um, so we're that's off-ball screening, handoffs rather than pick and roll is kind of who we are and what we've become as a team. And then if it can open up the drive game, um, that's where we get good. And then kicking it out to our three-point shooters where we're really good. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing. When you want to shoot threes, there's you can do it in two ways. You're either going to create action for catch and shoot or you're, create, you're, you're willing to take the off-the-bounce three. We'll, we'll dig into that here in a second um, about what the Jazz are doing to create their three-point game and to be able to take that many threes, and then we'll dig into the Pelicans um, as well. Uh, that's coming up. So we'll, it's pretty interesting a little bit on, on where the Jazz three-point game is, and there is probably a question there of whether or not it needs some adaptation um, as well. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Our good friends, the Murdochs, 
They've been in business in Utah for over 85 years, and they are part of the community. They want to make sure you feel that no regrets policy they have. You have no regrets of working with them, using them, being interacting with them, and having that. And we want to make sure you have that, too. That's why we have a VIP setup experience for all of Locked On listeners. Either at any of the three locations, just make sure you email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com, and we'll make sure you get that VIP experience. In addition... The Hyundai lineup of cars, the SUVs, are just outstanding. Anyone who was driving one yesterday, as I was during the snowstorms, were perfectly comfortable and pleased with what they had. And that's, uh, we were fortunate enough, to, I was in the Santa Fe yesterday, cruising through the snow, having no problem, uh, feeling 100% comfortable that I had all the bells and whistles that I needed and all the safety. The, the Palisade is the big SUV. It's absolutely fantastic. The Kona is the little zippy one. And they're all at Murdoch Hyundai. If you're going to look at a car right now, please take a second and add Hyundai to the list of cars you're going to look at. You'll see you get the most bells and whistles, then you can decide whether you like it. We'll set up the VIP meeting for you. So please email me at dlock09 at gmail.com so I connect, can connect you with Jake down in Linden, Cameron in, at Murray, or wherever it might be. We'll set you up. That's all from Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Linden, and in Logan. Today's show also brought to you by our good friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks, who uh, 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. An easy, fun game to play. Great way to be involved while games are going on. Prize Picks, pick two to six players. If they score more or less than their Prize Picks predictions, you can win 20, up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's you versus the projections available. Any sport you can possibly dream of, and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe, fast, easy withdrawals for you as well. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, you get $100. If you deposit $50, you get $50. If you deposit $72.50, you get $72.50. If you deposit $150, you get $100. Don't forget your enter, enter your promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. That's all at Price Picks. Enjoy, have a little fun with it. Price Picks. Promo code locked on get you 100% the deposit match up to $100. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, how about we do Locked On Sports today? 22 minute recap of all the important things going on in the sports world. Love that show. Hope you've grabbed it and enjoyed it. Uh, as well. All right. Uh, I want to dig into our three point shooting for a second because just kind of looking at who we are as a team. I thought there were some really interesting aspects here of kind of who we've become, what we're doing. Um, so the first thing is, you know, our offense is great. It's fourth in the league. It's kind of incredible, frankly, to me um, that it's become that good. It's a tribute to the players and to Will Hardy and the system they're running. It's the mind boggling aspect of the season to me. Everyone else, like, what surprises you most? That That's it. There's no, there's no other question. All right. So, Catch and shoot is stuff that has to be generated out of your offense. In other words, you're driving, you're off-ball screening, you're doing all these things we're talking about, you might be running some pickering, you're kicking out, you're playing, and your, your offense is generating it. Now, when you have Jason Tatum, or you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, or you have Luka Doncic, and teams are doubling, it's not that, Steph Curry, it's, it's not that hard to get. Like, that's, when you have the Jazz, or frankly the Indiana Pacers, who are also near the top of the list, you really have to be running some cool stuff. Um, and that's a tribute to the coaches. So the Warriors take the most catch-and-shoot threes of any team in the league at 30. So does Boston. And then Indiana's at 28, and then the Jazz and the Bucks are at 27.8. So the Jazz are taking the fifth most catch-and-shoot threes in the league, and we're shooting 38.7% on those. So if you look at effective field goal percentage um, on those, we're at about 58%. 
So in other words, if it was just a two, so this is like our ideal shot. Um, we're the sixth best team in the league at catch and shoot threes. Uh, Philadelphia is the best at 41. Boston's also right there at 41. Then Phoenix at 39. Denver at 39. Portland at 39. We're at 38.7. So this is great. This is a tribute to understanding the talent. The Malik Beasleys, the Simone Fontecchios, the Colin Sextons can really shoot it. Uh, Mike Conley's really good at it as well. Is that we're the fifth best team in the league at getting threes and we're the sixth, uh, catch and shoot threes and we're the sixth best team at making. To shoot a lot of threes, you actually have to commit yourself to taking off-the-bounce threes. So interestingly enough, tonight, the Pelicans don't take any off-the-bounce threes. They're, one, not good at it. They make 31%. They only take five a game. They just don't have guys to take off-the-bounce threes. They're a pure catch-and-shoot team. Dallas, Golden State, Indiana, Houston, big big off-the-bounce teams. So are we. We're the sixth biggest off-the-bounce team in the league. The -the off-the-bounce three is not going in around the league at the same rate it did a year ago. I'm going to have to dig into this a little bit more um, and look into it. Uh, last year, if you kind of look at the average team, this year the average team in the league, the 15th ranked team, this assumes there's some number of flaw here, but work with me. Um, the average team in the league, and shooting usually picks up as the season goes on, is at 32% on off-the-bounce threes. That's not very good. That's .96 points per shot. Last year, the mid-range team in the league was at 33%. So it's dropped a full percentage points. Um, and maybe it's just too many guys are taking them. Maybe it's teams are uh, dealing with it better. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but that number is down. A year before, it was 34%. So it's dropped a single percentage point on off-the-bounce threes each of <coughs> the last two years in the league. That's a lot. Um, we're shooting it a little bit above average. Um is at taking 11 a game at 34%. So that's not bad. It's over a point of possession. It's usually in a half-court set. It could be some transition. We, we do jack them in transition as well. Um, and that's how you commit yourself to taking threes, is the fact that you're willing to take the off-the-bounce three. What's interesting about our off-the-bounce three is last year Mike Conley was the second-best off-the-bounce three guy in the NBA, and this year he's bad. And so I'm assuming that that's going to come back around on him. You know, anytime you're 34 years old and you start to miss shots like that that involve your legs, you do get a little nervous that there could be something going on there. But if uh, Jordan Clarkson's at 33%, Malik Beasley's at 37%, Mike's at 32%, he was near 40 last year. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker takes a lot of them. He's only at 30%. Sexton's really good at it at 42%. Markkinen's only 33%. So our guys aren't actually so super good at it. Alexander Walker's hitting him really well. It'll be interesting to see whether that's kind of around Jordan's career number. Mike's the one that should pick up a little bit. Maybe Horton Tucker with injuries takes a few fewer amount and our number jacks up a little bit. So I just want to throw that out there. It's kind of an interesting uh, little look. Pelicans come in. They've won seven straight. They're legit. Zion is just bona fide right now. Um, Zion is uh, in the seven-game win streak. Zion's averaging 30 points, nine rebounds, five assists a game, and shooting 67%. Here's the thing about Zion that's just totally remarkable. They run, first of all, Willie Green runs some great stuff. If you're, if you're a basketball junkie and you're watching tonight, watch their horn sets. Horn sets is when you have a guy at each edge of the elbow, so it looks like the horns, and then someone at the top. They'll often run Zion at the top. With Brandon Ingram, they run some really interesting stuff where Ingram runs down, Valanchunas picks for him, and he comes back up. And they 
um, get him that kind of eight to 12 foot jump shot. Um, they also will run some stuff where they have, this is when they don't have, when they have somebody else at the point, Valanchunas and maybe CJ or somebody else. And then Zion's over on the right hand. They run a bunch of action. Then they swing to Zion, the right hand side and everyone's lifted. And it allows Zion an isolation drive from the wing. The Pelicans shoot very, very few corner threes. And I think the reason is because they lift their guys and don't fill the corners all the time to allow isolation, clear side drives and not let help come from that side um, is part of the reason. I think I'm going to talk to Willie Green. I'm going to hopefully get a minute or two with Willie Green after his presser today to try to understand some of their offensive sequences and what they run. Um, But like Zion and isolation is 1.07 points per. Okay, that's pretty good. That's 107 offensive rating late in the half court. That's good. On drives, he's 1.07. On post-ups, he's 1.07. Like, he's the same no matter what you do with him. It's it's not, like, earth-shattering. What's interesting on him is if, on the isolations, if he if he drives, he's a 1. Point, if he, on the isolations, if he shoots, he's a 1.15. If he passes, he's a 1.1. And if he's fouled, it's a 1.6. His turnovers are the one thing that brings it down. So you don't want to foul him because then it's 1.6. He actually passes. You, you kind of want to double, but off the pass, they're doing pretty well. And you don't really want him to shoot. So you want to double to try to force the turnover, but as he's passing out, and you don't want to foul on it. You got, we're, we're a terrible reaching team. He's left-handed. If he goes left, you're dead. The numbers tell you if he goes right, you're dead. So what's happened is teams have shaded him so far to the right that he actually has figured this out already. A hundred and whatever, five games into his career, 106 games into his career. Um, this is his 107th game of his career. That's all, 107 games into his career. And if he drives right, he's 1.14 points per drive. If he drives left, which he does 56% of the time in his preferred way, he's only 1.02. Probably because defenses are prepared. They're bringing double, doing some other things. Some of these numbers, you have to look through them. It's pretty interesting. The one area where he, if he's in the post, he's got to come left. If he goes right in the post, he's not very good. And that's what teams have shaded him to do 52% of the time. He's great. Um, he'll take 17 shots a game. He's going free throw line 10 times a game. He's 77% at the rim. He's taking eight shots a game at the rim. It's just amazing. But watch the stuff they run. Like, it's not... They're really interesting. They're second or third in the league in passes. They're, they have 48 potential assists a game, which is a lot. I love that number. That means shots out to shooters. Um... They they take 56 shots a game in the paint. They're in transition a lot, 18 times. You know, if we're running 60 picks, they're only running 55. They're, they're, they're running a few more uh, post-ups, and they're switching a little bit more defensively than they have in the past. They're now switching up to 30% of their pick and rolls. So it'll be interesting to see whether you can go get Zion in some way there. Um, the one thing to watch is that C.J. McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas are not good together in the pick and roll defensively. Uh, I don't know who we have that really takes advantage of it. Donovan torched Jonas Valanciunas in the playoffs when he was the center for Memphis um, on that. So, you know, keep an eye on it. They're, they're, they're bona fide. The biggest thing that's the, what they are is they're incredibly deep. Um, without Brandon Ingram right now, they've won seven straight. And Zion's scoring 30, but then Trey Murphy's 15. Jose Alvarez, 14. CJ McCollum is really struggling this year as a 13. Jonas Valanciunas is 13. Najib Marshall's at 13. Larry Nance, who closes a bunch of games for them, is at 8. 
So they kind of are like us. that They've got six or seven guys in double figures, but they've got this lead kingpin in Zion who's just bulldozing people to the basket with... It's it's not just pure power. I, I want to make sure this is clear. It's not just he's spinning, he's moving, he's hanging. He's incredible. Uh, if you're if you've got some not, not something to do Tuesday or Thursday night, come see him in person. Tickets are available um, at utahjazz.com. Close game finishes and two trends that are interesting around the league as we continue next on Locked On Jazz for you today. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online with their all their odds, news, scores, all the more. You can get into the action, have some fun with betonline.net. They have all sorts of kind of sports access to you. If you want to get into the game, you can do it at Bet Online with Bet Online. Tonight, uh, Thursday night football, the Niners are a three and a half point favorite over the Seahawks in a massive matchup in the AFC West. Then there's three Saturday football games now uh, this weekend to keep an eye on. The Good games across the NBA tonight. Milwaukee's a four-point favorite against the Warriors. The 76ers are a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Kings. And the Jazz are a one-and-a-half-point dog to the Pelicans. Should have another close one. Celtics, who came off a bad loss last night to the Clippers, stay in the same business and are a four-point favorite against the Lakers. That's all at betonline.net. BetOnline, where the game begins. So I've been watching and loving it a lot of close, all the kind of close games in the NBA and wanted to share those with you. Two notes from John Schumann today that I thought were interesting. The West is still winning 54% of their games against the East this year. And the home team is winning at a rate we've almost not seen in a long, long time. It's up at 60% of all games the home team is winning. So home court advantage is bigger right now in the NBA, and I have no idea why. Um, Reduced travel, all sorts of things. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, than, we, than we've seen in quite some time. So interesting little notes. All right, I want to share some notes with you. Uh, close games I've watched. I don't get to all of them. I try the best I can. So New Orleans-Phoenix, I obviously watched that whole game. No Devin Booker. Uh, one to watch tonight. Jonas Valanciunas having a big problem with offensive fouls. Kelly Olenek should be able to drive a few. Um, they're doing some neat stuff on their pick with Zion at point, and they're running him and then flipping picks to get Zion to whatever hand he wants. Um, well, our guys are going to have to be really good. Like you want to jump out and guess which way Zion's going. Then they flip the pick and he comes back the other way. His ability to go either left or right, um, really just, um, is, is fantastic. Uh, Larry Nance closed the game. So without Valanciunas and Will Hardy was able to keep Valanciunas off the floor in the matchup in the third game of the season. Jazz might want that for rebounding purposes. So keep an eye on how the Jazz close, watching what they do. They were basically running Zion at the point. And then they had CJ McCollum and Larry Nance at the elbows in this horn set I was talking about. They just run great stuff off it. CJ brushes Zion's man. So Zion's at the top with the basketball. Think of it as a triangle. Three-man game. And then CJ ran off the backside of Zion's man and flares to the right wing. Zion's man, who uh, you know might be Lowry Markinen. Now actually has to go, kind of has to go with CJ because he flared off him on a touch touch screen, leaving the point guard on Zion. Just a simple little subtle thing that leaves CJ on the right wing now being guarded by a center and leaves Zion guarded by a point guard. Phoenix reacted super well to this as Craig was the guy guarding Nance. He left to go out with CJ. DeAndre Ayton was the one guarding. Uh, DeAndre Ayton stayed in the drop. He actually switched because then the next thing they do off that 
is that Nance comes up and they run a pick and roll for Zion off and the, the big is dropping. Phoenix reacted really, really well out of it. But that's just an example of some of the horn set they'll run. They'll, they just interacted with Brandon, as I was talking about earlier. They have even more exciting stuff off it. Their primary set is out of that horn set, and it's really good to see. Um, the other one is they're getting Zion the ball at the nail, which is right at the top of the free throw line, and they put three guys on the right side, and they're running action over there to occupy you. And then Zion's now wants to get with his left hand to the basket. If he does, you're dead. And they've got three guys right side. So you're trying to force Zion over to that right side into the traffic. But Zion's getting pretty good at handling it. But it's very hard to bring a double because they're bringing all sorts of action on that right side of interaction. So if you're leaving that, and then there's one guy on the left side, and it's a strong, you, don't, you usually never want to leave the strong side. So it's a real, again, it's really well placed, really well done from Willie Green. Um, the zone by the Suns did work really well against the Pelicans, so I would suspect we see um, some of that. Um, then another one they're running that's really simple is too high with Zion and C.J. McCollum. We're playing back-to-back. I dug in. Uh, so Zion's on the right wing with it, up high. C.J.'s left. Just think of it as a two-guard setup above the three-point line. Well, CJ's man kind of has to drop down toward the nail and shade in case Zion drives. He's that powerful. You have to shade two or three or four guys to the side of the floor that Zion's on. Well, Zion just chests it to CJ and CJ just breaks the crease. Like, it's so basic and so simple, but so well spaced and so well put together by Willie Green. So really impressive. A few other notes on close games. I watched Miami-San Antonio. Miami just gets nothing out of their offense. I saw they won a close game last night. I'll watch it later today. Uh, they really, they're running a bunch of stuff through Bam at the elbow. They get nothing. And they eventually just turn to Jimmy Butler to go do everything, and he solves the problem. Uh, great inbound plays by Spolstra. I posted on my Twitter, manufacturer to play. Um, Miami switches everything defensively. The Spurs don't switch, which is really interesting to watch. Devin Vassell with two mammoth shots laid on one-on-one plays. Um, interesting. Miami down two with 14 seconds left. Went for two threes for the win which is the right play, but it's just these are things that are important to kind of take note of when we play them later in the year. Uh, Oklahoma City versus Cleveland. Cleveland was able to close this one, which I saw they couldn't close another game last night. I'll watch it later today. Um, Oklahoma City is going over on all picks to dry, deny threes. Uh, Jalen Williams, number eight, I think it's the Santa Clara Jalen Williams, is playing and initiating the offense for Oklahoma City as a rookie. Oklahoma City is doing something interesting defensively with their shifts. I, I could not figure it out. I actually am going to call a bunch of coaches around the league and figure it out. They're, they're shifting in a way I have not seen before that's really cutting off the peen on drives. Um, I do think they're on to something because um, they do seem to be getting back out to their shooters. They don't have a natural center. They're playing Pokashevsky. Um, like they, and, and so what they're, they're doing something where they're figuring out how to deny the rim or at least try to deny the rim. Now, they don't do it. That's what's weird, is they're 27th in the league at denying the rim. <clears throat> and they're, and so they're, they're not actually... It's, it, they're doing something interesting. I'm not sure they have the personnel to make it work. They're 27th in the league at denying the rim. So teams are getting there. But they're the third best team at defending the rim. So whatever they're doing, they're getting you into traffic and you're uncomfortable with some of their shifts. And I, the shifts didn't look natural to me. They're doing something different. Uh... Evan Mobley's passing was unbelievable um, in that game. Uh, 
worth watching. Uh, a few other games uh, Ron and I watched on the plane. I don't have his detailed notes because we're watching on the plane, and I don't want to bore Ron by stopping the game the whole time and taking notes. Um, but one of the, we watched the Philadelphia 76ers collapse against the Lakers, which that game goes to overtime after they blow an 11-point lead. Honestly, Doc Rivers coached one of the worst fourth quarters I've ever seen. He blew both timeouts super early. He didn't have timeouts late. You need timeouts late in games because it can go really haywire. It did. They were throwing the ball all around the gym, and there was nothing they could do to stop it. It was kind of stunning. Um, we watched Atlanta play Brooklyn. Kevin Durant is awesome, and Brooklyn's putting it together. They've played a bunch of shorthanded teams to win these games in a row right now, so it's a little suspect. But if you just watch them, they're putting it together. When they swing it to Joe Harris, and he penetrates and swings to Seth Curry, and then he penetrates and quick swings, like that's real, and it's really hard to defend um, in a lot of different ways. Um, and Kevin Durant is superhuman. He was just miraculously great. Um, in that game. Uh, we watched the end of Toronto at Oak Orlando as well. Uh, Toronto, just n- nothing new on that. They they really have a hard time scoring in the half court. Boy, do they have a ton of athletes. But Pascal Siakam is inadequate as a go-to guy. And when he's on the floor, they really defer to him in a weird way. I wouldn't be surprised if we looked at numbers and saw that they were actually better without Pascal. Not because of Pascal, because how the other players just don't seem to be as aggressive in what they're doing uh, when he's on the floor. OG Ananobi is a super neat defender and a decent offensive player, but boy, he's straight line. He does not have any wiggle um, to his game at all. And then we watch Sacramento at Cleveland, and I'm trying to remember, and I don't have a lot of memories on that one. All right, that is our late game watch for you to update you on little notes around the NBA. I'll try to do that Tuesdays, maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm trying to find a rhythm for our third segments um, of the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it today. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. For your next listen, go to Locked On Sports today. And, of course, there's always game to game up at Locked On NBA. Have a good one.